0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside.
1: Okay, how are we getting on with unhurrying? How is your fasting going? Yeah? They say the third week can be the hardest, so. But well done. It really feels like the church is is united in, in this goal of really pressing into God, of really... Because um, we, we take... We, we hang on... I was talking to someone this morning. We, we, often we... There's so many things in our life that we turn to. We turn to when we're feeling down or when we're feeling uh, sad or angry or frustrated. We, we, we turn and we reach for something. And... Uh, in Jeremiah, God described these things like broken cisterns, broken, broken vessels that couldn't hold water. And often he said, you go to these broken cisterns rather than coming to me. And uh, you go to them hoping to find refreshment, uh, but you don't find any. And, uh, and God sort of chastised the Israelites back in that book because they weren't turning to the truth. So as you're doing it today, uh, it helps us and reminds us of where our true source of life on that sense of you know God it's in you it's in you that I find my hope uh, my, my life my meaning and so um, and so I would encourage you beyond this fast not to just think well we survived that we did that uh, let's just get back into the way life was hopefully there's been some shifts and changes in you as you've done this in terms of your appetites and, and your perception of God and I really want to encourage you to continue uh, with those things Because God will have formed things in you over the 21 days we've been fasting together. And I encourage you to to nurture them and steward them. Is that okay? Okay. So, so far we've looked at fasting. Last week we looked at solitude and silence. And uh, we've heard, Keith and I are hearing so many great stories of breakthroughs in people's lives. It's really encouraging. And we're just praying for more and more of that to happen. So keep pressing into God because God is moving. Today we're going to look at Sabbath. And we're gonna start with uh, the Bible Project. we just released an excellent new video on Sabbath. So we're gonna start by watching this video to give us some context.
0: The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world so take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come yeah this is the sabbath celebrated every week on the seventh day but there's more the sabbath is just one of seven festivals that israel practiced every year each one anticipating that seventh day rest that is a lot of sevens and there's even more every seven years the israelites were to liberate slaves forgive debts and let the land rest for a whole year and then Every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh-day rest called the Year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the Year of Jubilee, it is all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the Promised Land. They are exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come. But generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah, saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Ah, so Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week. Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness. We journey towards that ultimate seventh day. Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now. By following him, or in his words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.
1: Okay, that's a brilliant backdrop for us today in terms of describing the Sabbath and that reoccurring theme there, the seven-day rest, the seven-day rest, a time to reconnect with God. And you see throughout that story, the number 7 appearing over and over again. The seven-day creation, whether you say that's literally seven days or seven time periods, the number seven is present in that. The the sense of Sabbath every seventh day, the rest, the seven-year rest, and then the ultimate seven times seven, the 49-year jubilee, when everything was restored and given back. And all these Sabbaths were pointing forward to something that was going to be fulfilled in a greater way, and that was going to be fulfilled in Christ. And when Jesus began to minister, he straightway came into conflict with the religious establishments around their understanding of Sabbath. So let's look at Matthew 12 to start off today. I'll put the words on the screen. It says this At that time, Jesus went throughout the cornfields on the Sabbath and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread. Which was, or well, haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. The Pharisees looked upon what Jesus was doing and they saw it as work. Even though Jesus was being compassionate and tender, bringing healing to the poor man with the shoveled hand, they just saw that as unlawful because essentially he was doing work on the Sabbath. In Mark's gospel, it takes it further. It says that when Jesus questioned them, is it lawful to do this? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They said nothing. They remained silent. And it's one of the few places in scripture where you find the word that means indignant. Jesus was so angry with them for their lack of compassion and love towards someone in need he was indignant he was furious with their inability to see what the sabbath was really about the sabbath was always supposed to point towards god's love and compassion but they turned it into a form of legalism and uh, they restricted people from even showing love and compassion on the sabbath day and jesus quotes the prophet hosea when he says i desire mercy not sacrifice. And rather than helping people, the, the, the Pharisees had just effectively turned the Sabbath into a weight, something that weighed people down, that didn't lead them to God. And Jesus says all this self-denial, all this religious posturing is worth nothing unless your heart reflects God's heart, unless the Sabbath leads people to God's love and God's goodness. He accuses them in Matthew 23, he says this, you tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and you put them on people's shoulders, but you don't lift a finger to help them. So rather than the the Pharisees acting like priests who are pointing to God and leading to God, they were just loading up people with more and more and more legalism and they were breaking under the strain of it. And Jesus said, someone greater than the Sabbath is now here. Someone greater than the temple is now present. And that meant Jesus was qualified to break the Sabbath because he was greater than the Sabbath. And you can think of it this way. If the Sabbath was the tail, then Jesus was the dog. It wasn't the other way around. As the Israelites saw it, they thought that the Sabbath was greater than Christ. But Jesus actually, no, I'm the greater. The Sabbath points to me, points to the fullness of God present in me. Hebrews chapter 4 is a great chapter that unpacks this. We're going to take some time today to look briefly at Hebrews 4. It follows Hebrews 3, funnily enough. And in Hebrews 3, Jesus is talked about by the writer as being greater than Moses. It says in Hebrews 3.3, Just as the builder of the house has greater honour than the house itself. And this sets up the context for for Hebrews 4. We haven't got time to unpack the whole chapter today, but we'll look at this uh, briefly, So Hebrews chapter 4, 4 verse 3. Now we who have believed enter that rest. The writer's talking about the Sabbath rest. And what the writer's saying is now if you follow Christ, if you believe in Christ, you enter the ultimate expression of Sabbath rest. The whole thing the story pointed to that we just seen in the video, all that time All that passing of generations, all that description of the sevens and the Sabbath, all comes to its fullness in Christ. And so, if you believe in Christ, then you enter into the fullness of what the Sabbath is. And the writer goes on to say this in verses 9 to 10. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. And resting from our works, the writer is saying, is we no longer have to work to achieve Sabbath. There's a sense with every other religion on the planet that you work to achieve acceptance to the God that you worship. We enter Sabbath rest. We enter acceptance and love of God because of what Christ did on the cross. Jesus has done the work. So if we believe, we just enter that Sabbath by his love and by his grace. And that's really important to understand that. And the word believe here doesn't just mean give cognitive assent to. It doesn't just mean um, I believe, uh, like I believe this, this lectern is here. It's a different word. It means to utterly put your trust in. It's a great Greek word. You will remember it. Pistuo. <laughs> Pistuo. Okay? You got that? Pistuo. Okay? And that means to utterly. Put your trust in And it's the same word that Jesus used when he said, "Repent and believe. Repent and believe the good news." It wasn't just, just accept that this might be true, or it might have some, some merit. It means turn around and utterly put your trust in. Pis you. put your utter trust in this. You can think of it like this. Um, you can believe a parachute exists, can't you? Yeah? We've all seen parachutes, okay? At what point do you pissed you with the parachute? When you put it on and jump out the plane. Because at that point, your utter trust is in that bit of fabric strapped to your back. And yes, you might have a one on the front, is in that silk and that string. There is no plan B. Okay? You are utterly trusting in that piece of silk to save your life. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, believe in me. Because sometimes we just think, oh, I'll just just give mental assent. I I just, okay, I accept it's true. I believe he existed. I believe he he went around saying good things. I believe he might have even died. And I believe he might have even rose again. But if we don't utterly trust him, and then we're not doing what the meaning of this word is. We're not entering the Sabbath rest that Jesus promised. We enter the fullness of the Sabbath rest because of what Jesus did. And now we come utterly and completely accepted before our Father God. Paul went on to write uh, to the church, um, the Colossian church, and he said this. He said, Do not anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day? These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So you say, hang on a minute. You know, does that mean one day isn't more important than another? Yes, in Christ, it doesn't matter what festivals, what days, what celebrations you adhere to, because in Christ, you have fully experienced the Sabbath rest. And that's really, really important, because Paul's writing to these guys who are tying themselves with knots in terms of how do, we, how do we fully follow Christ? What do we need to adhere to? What do we need to do? Back to Hebrews, the writer concludes with this. Let us, approach, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love this sense of intentionally approaching God I think that's really what the Sabbath is for us now. It's that sense of intentionally approaching God. We can approach God now in confidence because of Christ. We're not under some form of legalism. We're not under some form of having to do something to achieve or to to measure up. We can enter into that place of God's presence with utter confidence. And that's what we're trying to do with this whole series is really make space for God in our lives. To fully connect with what God has done through us through Christ and to fully receive his grace and his love. So let's think about Sabbath for a moment. We need rest for our souls. It's a thing we're all crying out for. It's a thing our culture is crying out for. And Sabbath is a key part of, of, of making space to receive rest for our souls. We can think about it as in, intentionally approaching God, desiring to connect with God. At the heart of Sabbath is stopping Stopping isn't just the absence of activity. It's actually stopping to come aside with God. Just as we described solitude and silence last week, it's it's got an intentionality about it that we stop to come aside with God. We stop to put our trust in God again. Because culture says if you stop, then you miss out or things happen. Or you don't get your work done, or the world passes you by, or a whole host of other things which are whispered in your ear. If you stop, then it's not good. But Sabbath says if you stop, then you are expressing your utter trust in God again, because the universe is not upheld by you. The universe doesn't rotate around you. That's a shock for many of us. It's not upheld. By your activity. It's trust that truth again. Because I can stop. Because I worship a God who still upholds all things. Even in the stopping. It's okay. And so it's back to that word again. That pissed you over. That sense of I fully trust my God. Who enables me to stop. The theologian Robert Barron said. The essence of being in God's image. Is our ability like God. To stop. And you probably didn't think about that, but the sense of we reflect God when we're able to stop. Can we serve a God who also stopped and rested? He said this, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. If we can stop for one day a week or for many Sabbaths, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. Our human brain, our bodies, our spirits, and our emotions become wired by God for the rhythm of work and rest in him. So God has made you and I to enjoy Sabbath rest. He's not made us to continually be active all the time. That way madness lies ultimately I think. In terms of just being a continual person always on, never resting. So if Sabbath starts, Sabbath starts with stopping... How do you and I integrate some form of stopping into our lives? Because we're so, it's so alien to us. It feels so wasteful. It feel, we feel guilty. You know, we, f- we feel that we're being left behind, all the things I've, I've mentioned. We think that by being always active, we're somehow freer. But it, I can tell you today, it's a lie. Culture is telling you a lie, that if you're utterly distracted and active somehow you're freer than if you stop because the truth is we all need sabbath And so by stopping even for a very short time we accept again that God is God and we serve a God who we can trust and upholds our lives upholds our universe you see life this side of heaven is going to be a never ending to do list have you realised that yet anyone got to the end of their list no we, we cross one thing off and put three things on, don't we? Most of us, we've got our lists, we've got our to-do lists, we've got our pads, we've got our reminders, we've got our calendars. On and on and on and on, the list of activities. So this side of heaven, you're never going to complete the work that's in front of you. Every retired person you say to says, I'm busy than I ever was when I was at work. <laughs> so retirement, forget it. It's not, it's, not, it's not a time when you stop working. Because to be in this life, we need a way to to restore our souls in the midst of all this activity. And that's what Sabbath speaks into. So first of all, we have to figure out a way to stop. And you know better than I what stopping might look like for you in your life. It might be mini stops. It might be stopping at lunchtime. It might be stopping in the morning. It might be stopping in the evening. It might be stopping for a shorter time at the weekend. It might be stopping, but it needs to stop. At some point, you need to stop. The second thing you need to do is rest. And that means rest not just from your job. It might mean rest from planning your holiday. It might mean rest from writing your next to-do list. Rest from planning the films you're going to see. It might mean rest from conversation. It might mean rest from anxiety. Multitasking. You name it. We have to be able to rest We don't stop one thing to start something else. We we step back and we rest and we enjoy just being still in God's presence. Difficult to do if you're an active person, if you're always on. But we need to figure out how can we integrate rest into our lives if we're going to enjoy Sabbath. Sabbath involves delighting. You need time to stop and smell the roses. You need time to, to stop and reflect on the wonder of creation, the joy of friends, the, the fun of just taking delight in the small things. Because so, so often just life just passes by so quickly and we don't stop and enjoy and delight the small things around us. To savour the space where God's put us, to savour friends, relationships, family. Sabbath can include all these things. William Blake said, We need to see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower. And so, Sabbath gives us that opportunity to stop and to reflect and delight. And so, for you, Sabbath might be a, a walk in nature, it might be a lovely meal with a friend, it might be playing a board game, it might be any number of things where you stop and you delight just in, the, in some of the simplicity of life around you anything that's going to help you restore and rest and last thing sabbath can involve is contemplating it gives us a chance to get off the dance floor onto the balcony and look and reflect on our lives reflect on our feelings reflect on on what we're doing and what's God saying if you're always in the viennese waltz then you're going to get a very giddy head And that's what most of us do, we're spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and we never have any time to step back and look at the bigger rhythms of what God is saying to us and what we might be feeling and what season we're in. Because as the decades go by we enter different seasons of our lives, different things become important to us, different things become less so. Are we taking measure of those? Are we using Sabbath to do that? So Sabbath is all about that place of actually just giving ourselves back to God, resting and experiencing God, and once again saying, God, we trust you. We trust you. Something I need to know about, guys? Okay. Stand by. We surrender our lives. Now, I can't tell you the best way to do Sabbath, okay? Okay. You okay? You're not going to burn to death, don't worry. (laughs) I can't tell you the best way to do Sabbath, because that would be presumptuous of me. You've got different circumstances, different pressures. But I think I can encourage you today to intentionally approach the throne of God. It's really important that you put some intention in your life. Because Mm -hmm. Sabbath, like the other things we talked about, won't happen unless we put something in. Unless we say, I'm going to try and intentionally make space. I'm going to try and intentionally stop. What might Sabbath look like for me? In the words of Hebrews again, let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So what does the approach look like for you? If the invitation is to approach, what does the approach look like for you this week? What form might it take? Are we all clear, Martin? Good. What form might the approach take for you? What form might the approach take in the weeks ahead? If you think about Sabbath as approaching God with intention to experience his mercy, to experience his grace again, coming with confidence, not coming because you feel you ought to, not coming because you feel you're legally bound to, not coming because you feel guilty or shameful. You're approaching God with confidence and then experiencing his mercy and grace because this passage says we do this in our time of need and guys there's no we are so in a time of need we're so in a time of need as culture we're so in a time of need as church this is a time for the church to shine and the church is shining across this nation more and more but we don't do it unless we're rooted in christ we don't do it unless we're founded in christ The only thing we've got to offer is Jesus, yeah, and it's very hard to offer something you're not experiencing. You you, you can't, and so unless we unless we have this ongoing deepened relationship with Christ, then we can't bring life to people because we're not experiencing that life, that Sabbath that Jesus promised. And so, maybe meditate on Hebrews four sixteen. How can I approach you, God? How can I approach you to experience your mercy, your grace? In this time of need, those of you doing the lectio 365 will have uh, heard or read a quote from Rabbi Abraham Heschel this morning. He said, "This on the Sabbath, we care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul." Is that a beautiful phrase? On the Sabbath, we care for, we nurture the seed of eternity that is in all of our souls. If we follow Christ, we remember who we are. We remember who God is. We, we nurture that seed and let it grow and take root in us. So, you need to be thinking about, I need to be thinking about how do I make Sabbath more a reality in my life? How do I, how do, I do that? Perhaps I take a bit of time out of one day. Perhaps I take a bit of time out of a number of days. What does Sabbath look like for me? How is that going to, integrate into my life because we need to be people of the sabbath rest that we can now fully enter into and experience and i think when you see the video or we did today generations and generations have gone by longing for the sabbath rest that we can now experience in christ so let's just remember that let's just let's make sure we don't hebrews talks about don't miss don't miss the sabbath rest A generation of Israelites died in the desert because they missed the rest of God. They missed the direction of God. And we can do the same. We can still have Jesus and miss him. Miss what he wants to draw us into. If you're able, please stand with me.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more, or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WIT Riverside.